Are you good with people? Maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers. Well, then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career. A Google Career Certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast-growing fields like IT support, project management, data analytics, and user experience design. It's professional-level training developed and taught by Google employees. And it's all online so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work. Go to grow.google certificates. Faster my crazy day, my packed commute, all those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. Hi, and welcome to our podcast, The Pollsters. I'm Margie O'Mara, Democratic pollster with the bipartisan firm Purple Strategies. And I'm Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Republican pollster with the firm Echelon Insights. And each week we bring you the latest polls driving the news in politics, tech, entertainment, and pop culture. So today we have all kinds of great news to promote that's not even just about superest Super Tuesday, <laughs> three point Super, super Tuesday. <laughs> so, um, so a couple things. So, welcome new listeners. We expect to have a big surge. Well, one because there's always a surge when there's something crazy going on in the primary, but also um, the Onions AV Club featured us, which was pretty awesome. So thank you. We're very excited to be in such good company there. And Kristen was featured in Elle magazine looking extra fierce. Oh, that, yeah. They I they picked the blue steel East photo. It is, <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. This is, is what all that watching America's Next Top Model has done. Like, it is awesome. Because Kristen, <laughs> you know, as you may or may not know or may have gathered, um, is very smiley and happy. In this photo, she is looking like... Come at me, Trump. Yeah, she's looking extra fierce. <laughs> and so the pollsters gets a good shout out in there, too. Um, and uh, just as a reminder for our new listeners and for older listeners that um, we have a separate interview only episode that comes out in the beginning of the week. There's no chit chat about the polls that day. It is a straight up interview with someone really awesome in the industry. We just did one with Christy Quirk, who does research in conflict zones, which is pretty awesome. And we had some other really cool ones. We have an interview scheduled with Nate Cohn from the Upshot at the New York Times, which we're really excited about. So um, so look to see those coming down the pike. Um, and if you're in town this Saturday, March 19th, we're going to be at the museum here in Washington, D.C. Uh, in the afternoon, and we'll be talking about the polls and podcasts and all kinds of cool stuff. And by the way, uh, the AV Club, they're, you know, run by The Onion. The Onion has had a ton of amazing pollster humor lately. So I have to pull out two headlines that really, I think, stuck out to me. One was Gallup forced to destroy defective sample group that fails to predict the Michigan primary. And it's like dark. The picture is like body bags. It's like, I know. That was a little. Oh, that's, this is a little, this is a little much onion. I know, right? And like the headline's kind of like wonky. I don't know. I thought that one was pretty funny too. I still always enjoy 
kitten thinks of nothing but murder all day. That's so, <laughs> that's so one of my favorite ones, and it's like this. That's not polling related. It's well, the, the most recent favorite. one that was polling related, um, confounded pollsters admit there's no way to predict how women will vote. And the whole article just, just keeps quoting, like, fake male pollsters about how, like, <laughs> you can't understand the female mind. They're just so beguiling and confusing. That's There's... kind of like a real story. No, like, sometimes the onion is just too real. That's a really good one. Sometimes it's too close. There was one a while back <laughs> that a friend of mine fell for that said 34% of people are not entitled to their opinion. <laughs> Anyway, so new idea for a podcast, just read Onion headlines and laugh amongst yourselves. Anyway, so that that's also uh, could be true, right? Because it sounds pretty true. Anyway, so what are the top lines this week? Uh, we had Super Duper Tuesday. I'm finally giving in to calling it some variation of Super Tuesday. I've resisted that up till now. Uh, did the polls get it right or wrong? And has anyone polled the next batch of contests at all? Or are we completely flying blind? Uh, we'll take a look at what polling has uh, shown us about people's attitudes toward the violence that has recently broken out at Donald Trump rallies. Spring has sprung. We are in El Nino. Things are getting bombed. We've got uh, the cherry blossoms popping here in D.C. Is this changing people's minds on climate change? And last but not least, America, you have redeemed yourself by picking the right side of the oh-so-crucial Oxford comma debate. Right. So first, our poll of the week, and maybe I just haven't had enough sleep that I found this as funny as I did. <laughs> Pew, because I sent it out to a bunch of people last night, like no one responded, <laughs> which is a sign that I've, I'm losing it a little bit. So um, – the Pew did a poll that said, do you think that in the next 50 years that robots will take the place of most human jobs? And two-thirds said, yeah, that's going to happen. 65% yes. Uh, next 50 years, robots and computers will do much of the work currently done by humans. That's the uh, language in the question. Um, but people don't think their own jobs are going to be taken over by robots. 80% say, no, my job will exist. So it's that – Cognitive dissonance, right, that you sometimes see, like, it's when you hate Congress, you like your own congressperson. There was a poll that I had a colleague had on her wall forever, like, most people believe in hell but also don't think they're personally going. This is kind of that yep. same thing. The robots are coming. They're just not coming for me. They're coming for you. Uh, I wonder if there will ever be robots that take our job as podcasters, Margie. I don't think so. I don't think – because can robots – can the robots make jokes? I mean the robots can certainly put together these scripts and Lord knows I'd like a robot to do all the editing and futzing with all these cords. We should cords. get a robot that can set up our gear every week. That I would definitely be excited. Or is it sometimes called an intern? <laughs> I remember posting on Facebook when Beckett was like – six days old, like, I would pay a robot a billion dollars to just hold the pacifier and make it sound like they're a robot that I can get to do that right now. So maybe they'll, by then, they won't, you won't be able to call them the robots. You'll have to say the robot community or something because then they won't, they'll be offended if you just say the robot. So I don't know what we're... I know my husband sometimes, this is the answer when we're talking about schools for the kids. He's like, well, what about the robots? <laughs> so, so, so some people are worried, folks. We even heard this in focus groups this week, some concerns about the robots. So they are coming for your neighbor. They're not coming for your own job. That's what the polls say. But anyway, the polls have something a little bit more immediate, and that is – the primary that happened last night. We had a lot of Midwestern states plus Florida. This was a very big night in terms of the states. These were battleground states. These weren't states that typically 
are always predictable sort of where they are, aside from maybe Illinois. The other states are all real battleground states. And, um, you know, it seemed like a, a very good night for Clinton even though some of these states were closer than perhaps the polls and pundits had thought they would be. Ultimately, they all have gone for Clinton. I guess Missouri hasn't really been called yet. still very close, but it seems like it's going for Clinton. Um, and then Trump had a very good night despite Kasich doing well in Ohio and taking Ohio. I mean, you know, I saw a lot of people on the right really kind of lamenting what was happening. It seemed very fractious. The left, it seemed very clear what the story was, at least the narrative that emerged pretty quickly. Um the exit polls, we compiled a pretty – when I say we, I mean someone in my office compiled a uh, you know, handy-dandy list of what uh, happened in some of the key demographic groups. Um, you know, Some of the same things that we've seen in a variety of places – I'll just talk quickly about the Democratic side and then we'll spend a little more time on the Republican side. Um, but, you know, you're going to see some of the things you expect to see like you know, women uh, disproportionately voting for Clinton, particularly white women or older women. Um, you see, and we'll talk about it on the Republican side, but you had uh, fewer Democrats than Republicans saying that they decided in the last week who they were going to vote for, although late deciders tended to break with Sanders. That wasn't true in every state, but that was true in three of the states. Uh, first-time voters, not surprisingly, are disproportionately Sanders voters. Um, there are about the same number of those as there are on the, in Republican contests. And then here's something I think is pretty important uh, in terms of unity uh, is that People are satisfied no matter who the nominee is. I mean, you have a lot, you know, three fourths saying they're satisfied if Clinton wins a nomination. You know, the similar numbers are satisfied or slightly fewer satisfied if, if Sanders wins the nomination. There isn't the same worry about somebody else winning other than your guy or gal winning the nomination that you see on the Republican side. Um, where you have almost half or 40 percent say they consider a third party if Trump and Clinton were the nominees or you have a lot of folks, Republicans, saying they would you know, definitely not or probably not vote for him if Trump's the nominee. Um, what do you think when you look at the Republican contest and the Republican exits? This is a party that is falling apart. Uh, that you have Donald Trump in many of these states, uh, like take Florida. He's winning. He won Florida by a huge, huge, huge margin. Um, he won it with 46, about 46 percent of the vote, trailed by Rubio at only 27. Um, and, and yet in Florida, you still have uh, um, you know, it, it looks like a significant number of Republican voters who said they, they would consider a third party. Um, you have 57 percent who said, yeah, I'd vote for Trump if he won the nomination. But you have a quarter of Florida Republicans who participated in the process who said, like, there's no way I'm voting for Trump. And it only gets worse for him if you look at other states. If you look at Illinois, less than half say they would definitely vote for Trump as the nominee. Uh, so th this is a party that is really facing a huge rift. Um, Trump had a very good night uh, because he was able to win Florida and all of these other states and pick up so many delegates. And Florida's a winner-take-all. Winner-take-all, so 99 no points for delegates. coming in second. Um, the Democratic yeah. contests were all proportional. So even though a win's a win and the momentum comes from a win, still the delegates are allocated yeah. and that's not the case. Everyone else side. has 99 problems because Trump has 99 <laughs> delegates. There's a, I'm sure I could go somewhere with that. But uh, so the, the polls on the Republican side um, – fascinating in whether or not they were right or not. So we had polls coming out in Ohio right before the results, you know, right before Election Day that showed the race neck and neck. I think the two last polls showed Trump and Kasich with exactly the same 
proportion of votes. You had Trump 33, Kasich 33. The polling average showed it a little bit separated because they were counting some older polls. Um, but it seemed like Ohio was going to be a nail biter. And then in the end, Kasich won by like 11 points. Um, so it was not close at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's those late deciders likely, right? I mean, Kasich does particularly well in Ohio. The people who decided in the last week, 57 percent of right. last week deciders went to Kasich. And a third of the Ohio folks were late deciders. In the Democratic side, only a quarter were late deciders. Yeah. So you had you, – you've, you've seen Kasich sort of surging in a couple of places and it may have just been that folks in his home state said, all right, if we want to stop Trump, let's strategic vote. Let's do it. Um, in Florida, Trump had just such a commanding lead that even strategic voting wasn't going to change things. Um, North Carolina had the had Trump up by 14 points in the polling average, and the reality, the margin, was less than four. Um, so there were there were a few places where the polls didn't quite get it right. I really want to talk to. Um, the guys over at Optimus, who they're Rubio's analytics firm. So as you all probably know, Rubio, as a result of underperforming in Florida, has dropped out of the race. Um, And a couple of weeks ago, they were sort of signaling, we think Rubio is doing better in the Florida polls than the public polls indicate, or we think he's doing better than the public polls indicate. But then I noticed that my Optimus friends were a little more quiet about that on social media in the last week or two. And so um, that to me was, well, maybe the polls were wrong two weeks ago, but Maybe they're not wrong anymore. And sure enough, Florida, the polls were pretty on the money. And it's a tricky dance too, right? I mean because you want to play the expectation games perfectly. There was talk that Rubio was going to get out of the race before Florida and there was a whole kerfuffle about that and who was talking to who. And so to say that he's doing better than the public polls indicate might help Bring Everybody voters. loves a winner. I think right. there have been studies that show that if you're ahead in the polls, it gives you an extra point or two at the ballot box because people just like to pick a winner. Right, right. So it does that, you know, is a self-fulfilling prophecy if he says, if his team says, we're doing better than, than you might think. On the other hand, if you are part of his team and you're like, we're up 30 points and then you're down, then – you don't look very smart either. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I did have a friend, uh, my friend Ellen Carmichael. Um, she tweeted at me the other day. You know why? Why do the polls seem to be off so badly in so many contests? And what I think is weird about this election is that they're not off in a lot of contests. Right. In a lot of contests, they're getting it right. So you'll have a couple where things are basically perfect, like Florida, where it was really close, um, and then you'll get these weird ones, like last week's Michigan debacle. Or, I mean, here in Ohio, people aren't really focused on the fact that the polls were off by about 10 points because, well, we're we're moving on to the next thing and whatever. Um, But there are some of these contests where the polls are just hitting it right on, and then there are others where the polls are like in a completely different universe. And I, I, at this point, have not been able to pick up a pattern or a rhyme or reason to what is making some states the polls are right and some states the polls are totally off. Right. And it might just be who's polling in some of these states too because, you know, because the the race is moving so quickly and, you know, you may – there. I mean some of these states had fewer polls, public polls oh, to begin yeah. with like Missouri for example. I think Missouri, they didn't even have a, Barely a trend had, because there weren't enough polls. Right. Exactly. And if you look at the Democratic side, you had these contests narrowing which I think tracks with sort of where things ended up. I mean the last – the final 
uh, um, Huffington Post average was 60-33 in Florida for Clinton, um, but it was 49-41 in Illinois. So that race narrowed and that matches what happened, you know, um, 53-42 in Ohio. And that kind of matches what happened there. Um, and But nothing in Missouri. So people didn't know what to make of that. And then that ended up being, you know, almost a tie. So I think a lot of this stuff uh, tracks, at least on the Democratic side, tracked with where the race ended up, which was it was really far apart, started narrow, but not enough, you know, by, you know, not enough quickly enough. Um, the, the, one other, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say the other thing that makes the polls l- less helpful in some cases about at least predicting the delegate race, which I think is now the much more fascinating thing to follow, is who is Trump going to get to the 1,237 delegates, is there are a lot of these states, like um, Illinois was an example, where you had some delegates were winner-take-all at the state level, and then you had some delegates that were proportional within congressional districts. And the way those elections worked was – you went and you were voting for the names of the delegates on the ballot. Like in D.C. this past weekend, I waited in the line to, you know, cast my vote there. And I complained. And actually the wait I waited in was nothing compared to people who showed up two or three hours later than me. But you had this one ballot with like 200 people's names on it. like, And it was all these like Republican consultant people that I knew. Like I'm like checking off the names of all these people I've worked with. Um, but in Illinois – um, if you had just been polling on whether or not people like Trump or not, you might have missed uh, some delegates. Dave Wasserman at uh, the Cook Political Report found this is actually, a, I think, a really depressing story um, that there are a handful. I, I'm saying a depressing story about Trump not getting delegates, but it's a, a story where you had some Trump delegates in some of these congressional districts who had names that were very unique. Um, and they received significantly fewer votes than Trump delegates with names like Paul and Barbara. Um, you had Congressional District 6 uh, where Trump delegates Paul and Barbara um, won. But then Kasich got the third delegate because enough Trump voters declined to vote for Nabi Fakroden, who was a Trump delegate candidate. In Congressional District 13, um, you had Trump delegate Doug Hartman win and Trump delegate Raja Sadiq not get elected to go to the convention. In Congressional District 2, which is a heavy African-American district, Trump delegates named James and Rita won. Um, and then there was a thousand vote drop off for Trump delegate Taniqua Tolbert. So just voters looking at these ballots, like what else would cause you to be a Trump voter and you, but you don't pick all of the Trump delegates? Like, yeah. This is a really potentially very depressing story. Right. Um, and, and it cost Trump delegates in at least one of these cases because then a Kasich person had more votes than that that third Trump delegate. Yeah. No, that's terrible. That's a terrible this, story. Yeah, this I was mean, a really depressing thing as Dave was tweeting it out last there's, night. There's always this uh, – you know, you frequently hear this talk as consultants. Um, you know, when I talk to different communities, like, sh- is my name too complicated? Should I change my name in order to get voters to, you know, feel like I'm a little bit more accessible? I mean, even Barack Obama, I think, went on um, Oprah and said, you know, you could be – Joe Obama or Barack Smith, but Barack Obama is too complicated. That's like someone had told him that. I don't remember who. But anyway, so, you know, there's this theory that the a complicated name turns people off. Um, it certainly doesn't have to be that way, but it seems consistent with what we know about Trump's Let's not say Trump's supporters, but Trump's message, right? Yes. So let's say Trump's message. Um, and and we'll, we'll, we'll get in a second to some polling around sort of 
racial tensions and Trump and, and his rallies. Um, no, it's it's crazy. Right, it's crazy. I mean, it's 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 a. I mean, this is why it's upsetting for folks on the left to watch what's going on on the right. I, you know, I don't I don't want Trump to be your nominee either. You know, because I don't. Smart. I, I mean, it's not funny anymore. It's like you know, at first you're like, okay, he's the, you know the most beatable, but it's it's like a horrific thing. To I have know. To I have my Make America Great Again hat that like. I bought last summer and took a funny picture with, and now I'm like, right. oh, yeah. nope, not taking any more funny pictures with that hat. Yeah, no, it's terrible. And, you know, the other issue is gender, right? And the other talk th- that is happening is the anti-never, the never Trump group, did, were they successful? Did they fail? Now, certainly looking at the numbers, they failed um, in that because Trump did so well. Um, you know, it was the question that they, you know, not do enough. Was it too late? Did they just get in too late? And were they effective in terms of gender? Uh, I think looking at these exit polls, there's really quite a big gender gap on the Republican side. That hasn't always been the case. So I don't know if that's a result of the the gender-specific advertising that our principals packed there in. Was or... a, there was a gender gap in a lot of the states on Super Tuesday, I remember. So I may, perhaps in the earlier states there wasn't. But by the time we got to Super Tuesday, I was noticing in states Trump doing – about, you know, 10 points better with men than with women in a lot of places. And that's and that tends to be what you're seeing here as well, where Trump tends to be doing anywhere from sort of six to six to eight points better among men than women. He's still winning women in certain states. I mean, right. he still won women in Florida, but he got 52 percent of men and only 40 percent of women. Uh, you know, in national polling, frequently we've seen Trump be, you know, Trump being number one with Republican women, too. You know, I think here it seems like maybe maybe this is just putting in stark relief that 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 maybe that's eroding somewhat. But if you if you're saying that that's been going on for a while, I guess that's not a sign that this this is our principles pack or this, you know, never Trump movement is kind of moving sort of. Well, I think it's sound minded Republican women, maybe reinforcing and preventing women from being sort of susceptible to, uh, well, maybe I will vote for Trump because my other person dropped out. Like, is it is it containing uh, containing the spread of Trumpism? Um, that's that's certainly a possibility. Uh, so moving forward, though, the, the real problem Republicans have who who are part of the never Trump movement is he's got the most delegates and he is on a path to roll and just keep picking up more. Um, so there's not a ton of great polling in the next three places that are up on the Republican side, Arizona, Utah and Wisconsin. The last Wisconsin poll was a Marquette poll. It came out of the field February 22nd. So it's pretty old. Um, had Rubio at 30 or pardon me, Trump at 30, Rubio at 20, Cruz at 19. So obviously with Rubio out, It'll be a whole different ballgame there. Um, Trump is up in Arizona, but really only one firm is doing polling there. It seems like a private Republican firm. Um, And they find Trump 37, Cruz 23, Kasich 15. Um, And when you've got Sheriff Joe, you've got the former governor of Arizona that have all endorsed Trump. Trump winning in winner take all. Arizona would not be terribly surprising. Right. Um, and then in Utah, there was not a ton of polling. But Cruz seems likely to do well in Utah, right? I mean, that was the conventional wisdom. Uh, yeah. So there's one poll. It was done by uh, Dan Jones Associates, UtahPolicy.com. Um, and this poll was February 15th. This was the last poll I could find. I may be m- missing some. Uh, it had Rubio 24, Cruz 22, Trump 18. But Bush and Carson were also still in the poll because this was back – yeah, February fifteenth. So, 15th. so yeah. ages um, ago, ages ago. So even if this is a wonderful pollster, it's the date is way too old. Uh, so we don't, we really don't know. And so what happens at the convention? Let's say Trump doesn't get to fifty. 
and you have delegates held by candidates who have suspended their campaign, like Rubio, for example, or somebody else. What happens to those delegates? And isn't there a distinction between suspending your campaign versus... I think suspending your campaign is mostly about the FEC because right. you have to keep your campaign going oh, right. in order to continue to raise money to pay down campaign right, debts. Right. So I think that's why people suspend instead of end. Um, but I think... When it comes to the convention, what will happen is these folks who have all suspended their campaign, I think people on the first ballot will still be obligated to stick with those people. But you've also got this whole Rule 40 thing, which says in order for your name to be entered into nomination at all, you have to have the support of a majority of at least eight delegations, which is – that's more than even just winning eight states. You have to win a majority of delegates. That is great. I mean that seems – So as of right now, I think Trump is over the threshold. I think Cruz is not. I think Cruz is at like five of the eight Um, and then nobody else. I think Kasich now has one. Um, Rubio had two but now he's out. So this is going to – they're talking about do they – you adopt new rules for every convention, so, right, so they can come up. But with if they all of a sudden adopt rules that don't look like the rules from last time, do people freak out? Do the Trump people go berserk? Oh, you're trying to steal the nomination from us. Whatever. We could talk for hours about the chaotic mayhem that is going to go down at this convention, and we have plenty of months to go there. So uh, stay tuned, have, listeners. You will. Yes. You will get. You know all what? The discussion this is not public back. opinion. Guess what? This is not public opinion polling anymore. <laughs> this is well, insider no, backroom. It's, it's polling of. 2,000 and some odd people who will at various stages during the balloting be released from their legal obligation to represent the will of the people of their state who sent them and will be free agents to vote for whomever they choose and for whatever rules they choose. And so it will get weird. And so, you know, to go back to this, like, why are we in this situation? And it's because the general consensus is that Trump is dangerous. He's dangerous not just to the Republican Party. He's dangerous to our democratic process. He's dangerous in an actual, real, tangible way right now in that his rallies are dangerous. You have reporters, you have protesters, you have, you know, all kinds of real, um, you know, disruptions and chaos, violence, We've only seen one polling question on this, and that was from Monmouth, and I guess they changed it in the field while their survey was in the field. Um, And they asked, as you may know, Donald Trump canceled a rally in Chicago Friday night where protesters and his supporters got into confrontations. Does what happened there and Trump's response to it make you more likely or less likely to support Trump, or does it have no impact on your vote? Um, And two-thirds say it has no impact 22% say more likely, 11% say less likely. I'm not sure that question quite gets at it because that just seems very granular, like here's what happened in Chicago. And it doesn't quite say – get in a lot of detail actually what happened. It doesn't really address this larger concern. Like there is violence now in confrontations at every rally. This is not just what happened on Friday, which you know the Trump folks tried to push back saying, oh, Democrats came and disrupted it, whatever. But take Friday off the table. This has now been going on for a while. This is not just about Friday. Yeah. And and so this is a question that was saying, you know, how does this affect your vote? But there's also the question of who do people think is most responsible? Do they think that folks who show up, do they think that folks are showing up looking for trouble or do they think that Trump is creating a culture where even peaceful protesters, it can kind of get out of hand? Yeah. Um, And so that I will be interested to see if polling is done on that question. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hope so because it's really outrageous. And you see even some of the people who've been involved in these violent 
altercation saying, I don't know what came over me. The crowd just got went crazy. Yeah. I just got swept up in this sort of mob mentality where it's no fault of them. It's just the energy of the crowd kind of sweeps everyone, you know, sweeps them off their feet in a way. And all of a sudden, you know, women are getting pushed and kicked on their way out, to, out, out of an arena, you know, which is just egregious, right? Yeah. Um, but you don't really see Trump obviously taking any sort of stance against it as evidenced by him having his campaign manager who is now part of the story and you never have a campaign manager behind you in one of these. You know, the optics are never like, oh, I want my campaign manager behind me. You always want your family and, you know, some random people and like a grandma or whatever, not like your young campaign manager. The dude manager. who assaulted a female journalist. Right. Like, and when that guy assaulted a, a female journalist, like, then you definitely don't want him behind. And he's had him behind and said, you know, you're doing a great job, Corey, which is just a sign like, I, hey, I know what's happening and I'm signing off on it. That's what that said. So anyway, it's clear who I think is responsible. Um, so now for some sunnier news, sunnier polling, um, for better or worse, Gallup asked, um, have temperatures in your local area been warmer or colder or the same as usual? And for people who asked, who said it's warmer, which was a lot, about two-thirds said warmer than usual compared to last year, only 20% said warmer than usual. And a plurality of those warmer than usual folks, or I guess a plurality of folks overall, said it's because of human-caused climate change. So this is really now people are, you know, at least when it's warm, people think that it's due to climate change. But it seems to be that there's been more trends. Now, we haven't come to some resolution about what people want to do about climate change, but there's been a little bit more folks saying, okay, climate change is happening, and I may be willing to think that it's actually a human People cause. are seeing more and more weird weather, and even if there's dis- disagreement among scientists themselves about how much you can attribute any one weird science, one weird weather effect to climate change, uh, people, they, they're, they're feeling like something's weird. Like last year, Boston got Record snow, record snow, piles of snow that didn't melt until July. Right. And now it's the middle of March and I didn't even bring a coat. I haven't even looked at a coat. It's supposed to week. snow on Sunday, by the way. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> so I have a friend coming in from California and no. I was like, okay, what are we going to do? And I, I looked at the weather. I'm like, um, Sunday it says cold and snowy. And she was like, well, that's that's unfortunate. March, you're such a fake out. It always makes you think, oh, spring is here. No, March is a lie. April's yes. a nice month, but March is always a lie. Yes. Right. Well, maybe March needs to check the polling and see what people want. <laughs> <laughs> so here's something that the polls are quite clear on. And 538, our friends over there, um, found that, it's, you know, they they're really have their finger on the pulse with the people here asking a question about the Oxford comma. 57% say yes, they are in favor of the Oxford comma. 43% say no, which is good. I'm going to show this data point to some of the proofers here, my proofing team, who they follow the style books. Style books say no Oxford comma, but people just want. Well, they're incorrect. Want to use it. I prefer it too, personally. And people who prefer the Oxford comma also are more likely to say they are excellent at grammar, that their grammar is excellent. <laughs> so that is just a self-reinforcing virtuous circle, I guess. Um, Anyone out there who wants to uh, do another sort of weird polling question along these lines, I would love to know what people think about whether or not you put one or two spaces after a period. Oh, it's f- definitely one. No. What? It's definitely one. It is no longer two. 
That looks so ugly. It's so smushed together. No. No. Okay, so listeners, if any of you have polling capability and you can add this as an add-on to your survey, solve this debate for us. Who's right? One space or two spaces after a period? I think some of those things are based on, like, old typing. But I love them. You will never take that second space from me. Margie's like, oh, no. Oh, no. I, you know, I don't know what it was because I used to do that, too. And then I don't know what happened. Some switch flipped. I'm like, oh, yes. Okay, one. I'm down with one. I don't remember what it was. But there was some reason that I, like, I saw something or somebody – there was some place I had to do that. And then I never I never looked back. Um, but here's what they also weighed in on. And here there was even more agreement. And that is whether we should use data is or data are. That's a good one, too. Um, 79% prefer data is, and only 21% say data are. Now, that one has an actual technical correct answer. Right. I mean, Does it just make you sound like a snooty McSnooterton if you're like data? The data are clear. Right. I think so. And I I am guilty if you look at columns I've written and stuff I, or my tweets – Oh my God, my right. tweets! You know, data is the data. data the data says letter R. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm guilty of using this. the singular all the time in writing, in large part because of what you just described. That it's, but in in like reports for clients and things, I usually try to stick with the correct with the plural. It depends, right? Because there's something about right. You know, this is goes to a larger point. Is there's some. Um, you know, some language makes you part of the club, right? Or you're clearly, if you're part of the club, if you're saying data are, then you sound like you're part of the data club, right? And or do you just sound like an old fuss budget? You know, <laughs> so um, I think colloquially, colloquially, data is is something that people seem to prefer. I can see why. I don't know if I'm going to not stop using it in reports or when I want to sound like I really know what I'm talking about. We'll see, but. I guess that's how Five Thirty Eight is doing their style book by the will of the people. All right. Well, if Five Thirty Eight's doing it, then I feel like I have permission as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, when it comes to here are some key findings. When it comes to polling and the pollsters, the hits just keep on coming. People were maybe potentially rooting for a miss yesterday. There wasn't really the big miss that we saw before. Um, we may not welcome our new Trump overlord, but we do welcome our new robot overlords. <laughs> And can robots do anything about climate change? Because that's what people think is behind the warm weather. And the data are clear. The Oxford comma is the winner. You can find us on Twitter at at the pollsters or individually at at Margie O'Meara and at Kay Soltis Anderson. You can find us at thepolsters.com or on Facebook where throughout the week we will post links to stories that we think are fascinating and want you all to talk about. And then you can be sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcatcher, whether that's iTunes, Stitcher. Be sure to write a review if you haven't done so thus far. And hopefully we can see some of you this Saturday at the museum. Thanks. Bye.